Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. What are you worried about today? Like, what's on your worry list? What's worrisome? Which means, you know, you got some worry about it. I'm Carmen LaBerge. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What are you worried about today? Is it worth worrying about? Is whatever you're worried about worth your worry? Worthy of your worry? Probably not. Probably not. Worry is actually a dominant feature of anxiety, and people are ravaged by anxiety today. I hope you are not one of them. The Bible is very, very clear. Believers in Jesus, well, we're supposed to be anxious for nothing, casting all of our cares and worries on him. Why? Well, because he loves us. But um, if you're like me, if you're like most people, even when I'm faithful to rely on God, and even when I you know, put my worries at the foot of the cross, the next hour, the next night, the next day, Sometimes it seems like they've like crept back into my heart and mind. Maybe your worries are like that. Maybe you're a little worrisome this morning about something that you thought you had put at the foot of the cross. Well, today's Growing Your Faith verse of the day addresses this reality. So join me in looking at Psalm 37 verses 3 to 5. Take delight in the Lord. That, that actually means like pursue him, draw near to him, seek him cultivate intimacy with him. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. So have you told the Lord what's on your heart? Have you cast your concerns upon him? Have you taken your worry to him? Have you made your desires known? And then have you committed your way to him? your way of life? Are you trusting in him? Are you putting the full weight of who you are and your way forward on him? Are you trusting God to be God? Are you trusting God to do what God alone knows is going to advance his kingdom purposes in and through you? That's that yielding part of all of this. Um, God's going to do what God's going to do. You can trust God to be God. That's why the beginning of this verse is so important. Take delight in the Lord. Actually draw near to him. Actually seek him. Actually cultivate intimacy with him. That you might apprehend, that you might know how God sees things and what God is working on, what he's working out. How you could join him in that. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then, yeah, everything else gets added onto you as well. Take delight in the Lord. Draw near to him. Seek him. Cultivate intimacy with him today. And he'll give you the desires of your heart. How do I know that? Because through the process 
of drawing near to God, the desires of our hearts change and they become more and more aligned with the will of God. We get to the place where we can yield, where we can say, not my will, but thine be done. As we move more fully into this new year, I'm just going to invite you without reservation, without reservation, commit yourself, your plans, your dreams, your hopes, your desires to the Lord and trust him to be God for he is good. Are you, um, are you familiar with the Make-A-Wish Foundation? I mean, if you, if you live in the United States of America, um, Make-A-Wish is <laughs> so widely well-known that it feels like it needs no introduction. But I wonder if you know the story of how it all began. Because in February of 1979, Linda Pauling, um, she just knew that her seven-year-old son, Christopher, like something was wrong with him. Something was wrong with him. Have you been there? Have you had a child and you're just like, something is wrong with my kid? And Linda um, took him to the doctor. The doctor sent him to the hospital. The diagnosis was leukemia. And if you love a child today, um, you can imagine, maybe you can imagine, how devastating hearing that diagnosis would be today, even more devastating in 1979. If you have walked through childhood cancer with a mom or a dad, then you also know. Um, And you probably just felt in your throat and in your heart and in your gut, like you went there. Your Your body went there when I said leukemia. Some people move toward us in times of trial like this. And um, that was the response of a family friend um, of, of Linda and her son, Chris. Um, it was U.S. Customs and Border Patrol agent Tommy Austin. Tommy Austin moved toward Christopher when he was diagnosed with leukemia. Tommy Austin developed a special friendship with him during his cancer journey. Like a lot of seven-year-old boys, Chris wanted to uh, play the role of a policeman. And so, you know, Tommy uh, knew that role, played it well. And so they switched roles and Tommy uh, played the bad guy, always allowing himself to be caught and arrested by Christopher. Linda, for her part, did everything that she could for her little boy. And yes, she made her requests known to God. She committed her way to him. The doctors did what they knew to do. Christopher remained hopeful as little boys do. People prayed for his healing and cancer ravaged his little body. And Tommy kept showing up. Tommy was Christopher's champion. He just played with him. Chris was delighted to see Tommy every time he showed up. And in 1980, when Chris was hospitalized and death was imminent, um, DPS officer Austin reached out to another officer and they started to um, put together a plan to make Christopher's wish of being a police officer come true. And um, they sewed official patches on a little blue jacket that was just his size. And they took one of their old Smokey Bear hats and pinned an outdated badge to the front of it. And they swore him in um, as an uh, official member of Arizona's uh, DPS, like first honorary member. Took him up in a police helicopter, flew him around. He got to, you know, quote unquote, drive a police car. But the official little police uniform that they were having made for him didn't arrive in time for all of that. So it, it, 
they, they, they took it to the hospital on May the 1st, and he put it on, and he wore it with great delight for what would be the last two days of his life. And in January of 1981, um, putting her grief to work and seeking to comfort others with the comfort that she and her son had, had been given, Chris's mom, Linda, started what you and I know now as the Make-A-Wish Foundation. They've served more than 360,000 kids. Why am I telling you this story today? Because right now there's a child who needs a champion. They have made their heart's desires known to God. Their parents have done everything that they can, but their parents can't do what they need. And no, they're not battling a childhood disease like leukemia. But the extreme poverty in which they live has put them at the same kind of risk. They need a friend like Officer Austin was to Chris. They need an adult who's in a position to go out of their way and make small sacrifices that make a big difference in a child's life. Next week here on Faith Radio, we're going to introduce you to kids who need a champion. We're partnering again with one child to match children in need with sponsors like you. So joining us next to talk about the transformative power of one child— Neff Medina is going to be here from the Dominican Republic. Um, Neff had a desire as a child, and he committed his way to the Lord, and he trusted God. He takes delight in him today. What might God do in and through the life of one child who's made their desires known to him today where God might want to use you to make the difference? That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Neff Medina is a one-child facilitator in the Dominican Republic, and he is joining us now. Neff, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you, Carmen. Thank you for having me. It's a delight to talk with you today. Um, All right, so, like, where are you right now? Is there a window you could look out and you could tell us what's going on, where you are? Give give us a little sense of your your location today. Well, uh, the sun is uh, coming up already, um, and it's it's going to be. It looks like it's going to be warm today. I'm in Santo Domingo. This is uh, um, at, to be specific, the east part of Santo Domingo. This is a city for the Dominican Republic, and yeah, it. Uh, I think it's going to be a very good day, very productive day for me today. That's so wonderful. When you say it's going to be warm today, um, just so that you know, there's people um, under blizzard warnings who are listening uh, to our conversation right now. Um, so when you say it's going to be warm today in, in Santo Domingo, um, what, what does that mean? How warm is it going to be today? Um, it's uh, probably going to be a little bit in the 80s, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so people um, can't even for, imagine. They can't even imagine 80 degrees in January. They're like, what in the world? So you live in a little bit of a different world. So I, yes, I kind absolutely. of wanted to establish that, right? I wanted to establish that you live in a world that's a it's a little bit different. In some ways, it's a lot different than um, than the places where people are listening. Uh, to us have this conversation right now. Tell us a little bit about um, your background, maybe where and Uh, and how you grew up. I mean, I know that uh, my guess is you grew up as a Spanish speaker. Your English is beautiful. So, you know, let's just let's just talk about some of those things along the way uh, in your journey. Absolutely. I I, uh, grew up in in Santo Domingo, a place is called uh, Los Mina. 
Now, if you Google Losmina, Losmina, it's, it's, uh, you know, it has a very particular history. It's, it, it was filled with, um, well, still is filled with a lot of different, uh, I would say crimes and, and stuff. And um, I grew up in a house where, you know, it was a single mother, single parenting. And um, we were like, uh, we were eight people living in that house. Um, we didn't even live in the main street. We were like behind uh, sort of like an alley way um so you know we were uh the poorest of the poor of the poor in in our neighborhood and um i i learned english by watching television uh, listening to music and reading though um and and yes i grew up being a spanish speaker um and uh got to I, I met Christ when I was uh, at a very young age I I'm very grateful to a specific family uh, that they um, took me under their wing and they showed me uh, after I have had an encounter with what Jesus Christ uh, was um, they took me under their wings took me to church um, and uh, yeah that's how I I uh, grew up in in the church um, and that's how I got to have a relationship with the Lord. That's amazing. Um, you went on to uh, to teach, and now you serve um, with the organization that we're partnering with here at Faith Radio, and, and that organization is called One Child. There may be folks listening who are very, very familiar with One Child because this partnership is um, is a few years old now and, and ongoing, but there may be people who are brand new, and they don't know, um, they don't really know anything about child sponsorship. Now, when you talk about a family taking you under their wing um, and, and, and in part nurturing you in your faith in Christ, that might be the um, that might be the best way that this could happen, that there would be enough families with means in a particular place to actually, you know, take a child who is in need under their wing um, and into their fellowship. But the reality is there's a lot more kids in um, extreme poverty in some places than there are families like the one that was able to shepherd your heart. And so that's where one child is putting us as people who are in a position to respond and be child champions into direct relationship through child sponsorship with kids in places um, like uh, like Los Mina, um or other places like Santo Domingo or other places in the Dominican Republic or around the world. So could you just tell us what is your role with one child? What does a day look like for you um, serving as a facilitator? Um, yeah, well, I, I try to make um, everything smoother um, between the organization and the churches that we partner with. Um, I, I'm kind of like the liaison between uh, the two. And uh, a day, it, it, it's... Uh, well, it looks like first um, checking on my emails to see, you know, um, what's new or what information they've uh, sent me or anything special that I need to do uh, for for the team. Um, then after several hours uh, sending and receiving emails and probably making some phone calls, I head out to a Hope Center um, most mm. of the time to meet with the uh, child champions there the ones in the front line fighting uh, uh you know the bottles every day 
and um and in an effort to to first see how we're doing and uh see how we can serve them uh to better what they were doing for the kids um and and help them organize uh whatever plans that they have uh, uh help them guide them into into a, a better way to do things we don't come in with with a plan we don't replace a plan that they have that they already have we try to help them uh better the techniques and and the ways and and always connecting with other people with the same heart with the same uh goal to to make it easier for the child champions that's so, so. good so if you're listening right now um, and you were to go to MyFaithRadio.com, you will see that there is a One Child link there on the page. Um, you can click on that. And then if you would go ahead and click on Sponsor a Child, you don't automatically sponsor a child when you click on the Sponsor a Child box. But what it does is that Sponsor a Child box takes you to the pictures and um, and and the biographies where you can read about individual kids who need a champion right now. So um, Neff knows some of those particular children. Um, he knows kids in the DR whose lives have been substantially changed through one child sponsorship. So we're going to ask him to talk a little bit about that next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, host of Mornings with Carmen. I got some good news for you today. Jesus Christ is the good gift of God to each and every person. We heard the proclamation of Christmas, that there's this good news of great joy for all people. Well, guess what? That means you. Jesus is the good news. He is the gift of God given at Christmas. And maybe you're saying, I don't feel so good. I haven't really received this sense of good news. Well, we would invite you to wake up to the goodness of God with 40 Days Toward Healing and Wholeness. It's Susie Larson's brand new book, our friends over at W Publishing gave us a hundred copies for Christmas to give away to you. So we'd invite you to enter to win yours now at MyFaithRadio.com. Wake up to the goodness of God, 40 days toward healing and wholeness, because Jesus really is the good news and the great joy for all people. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. Neff Medina is a one-child facilitator in the Dominican Republic, joining us today from Santo Domingo in the DR. Um, lovely, lovely to have you with us, Neff. Uh, if you are listening right now um, and you want to be prepared in advance, you want to um, begin meeting the kids who we are going to be inviting you to consider becoming the champion of, um, the link is already active. You go to MyFaithRadio.com, you click on the one-child link and then you click on Sponsor a Child. You can begin meeting the kids that we are seeking um, to connect with child champions through our partnership with One Child. So we're going to spend a couple of days next week um, inviting you in. So, um, so today is an opportunity for you to begin prayerfully considering that, to be talking with your family over the weekend about um, bringing another individual under the wing of your family. What would it look like for you and or your family to um, consider bringing a child into your family through one child sponsorship. Now, they're not going to come live with you, but they are going to send letters back and forth with you. You're going to get updates. You're going to learn more and more about their life. You're going to hear personally from them over the course of the year. 
um, and and you are going to be a blessing to them in ways that you really cannot even begin to imagine. So, Neff, talk with us uh, a little bit about some kids you know. Maybe there's a particular child um, uh, whose story you could tell us from the Dominican Republic whose life has really been substantially changed through child sponsorship. Um, yes, absolutely. I, I have so many uh, examples. Um, and um, I'll speak about this particular one that uh, lives um, in a community that's called... Um, it's called Pueblo Chico, and Pueblo Chico. There's uh, this uh, uh, this little one that he uh, he was raised with his grandmother, and he he had gone through a certain type of abuse, and he was often uh, uh, said that he wasn't going to be good for nothing. And uh, he couldn't achieve anything, and uh, and even the same system because of the way that he was um, being brought up, and also uh, because of the history that he had. Um, so, getting into the program and being sponsored changed, and also the visit of groups from the United States, because that's that's one thing that I would like to to tell you: the visits from the U.S. It's just life just transforming simply because you see uh, the people that you've been riding with uh, coming to your town, coming to your house and speaking with you and having establishing that relationship. It, 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 it it's life uh, changing. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's a phenomenon uh, experience to, to be able to have that. So um, being in the program and being introduced to who God is and being introduced in that midst of who you are in God and what God uh, wants, it's looking um, in in an individual, has given him a perspective of who he is and has um, kind of redefined his identity in Christ. Now he's at the church, he's going to school, his behavior was completely transformed. Now he's the one of the top students at his uh, uh, school, and uh, and and also his behavior in the community because um, because of the way he was uh, he behaved before that. Uh, not a lot of people wanted wanted him or or tried to help him, but the group of Tao champions, those in the front line, uh, with a heart for for God, with a heart for the kids, um, were able to approach and bring him in and give him that love that he needed and, and that sense of identity that he now has. And uh, it's, it's, it's been amazing, uh, an amazing experience to be able to see that. Neff, could you just um, tell us his first name? His first name? Um, I'll have to... It's okay. What's a common first name? I just think that it would be helpful for us to be able to pray for him. And sometimes it helps for us to have you know, a sense of, um, of a person's name. Um, so let's just call him since he lives in, um, Pueblo Chico. Let's, um, let's, uh, let's call him Chico. Would that be okay? Okay. As we, pr- okay, as we pray good. for him. Yeah. Will that work? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so, yes. so, um, now we're going to invite you to pray, um, in, in Spanish, um, for Chico and for kids, uh, boys and girls like him who need sponsors, they need um, they need 
child champions like me um, to to sponsor them for $39 a month through one child so that those child champions that are on the front lines, the actual brothers and sisters in Christ working through their congregation and the Hope Center um, in the Dominican Republic where they can actually put hands and feet to the gospel. But they need my partnership from here in the United States to have the resources that are required to really um, make a difference. So could you yeah. um, could you pray for Chico? Could you pray for the child champions who are right there on the front lines at the Hope Centers today um, and for God to raise up child uh, child champions here through sponsorship? Would you do that for us now? Sure, absolutely. And and allow me just to add this. Uh, a good friend of mine is uh, sort of my mentor. He said that uh, the people in the U.S. sponsoring uh, children in the Dominican Republic are the heart of God, but the people in the front line are the hands and feet. And uh, and mm-hmm. for those that are at the same, uh, that are sponsored, but get to come to the Dominican Republic or any other country to visit the, the uh, community, they become not only the heart, but also the feet because they actually are going where God is sending them. So mm-hmm. let us, uh, let us pray. Um, for for the not only for the child champions and and the children, but also for the heart of the ministry and the heart of of God in the U.S. as well. So we pray, querido Dios, te bendecimos y te exaltamos, Padre. Te damos toda honra, toda gloria, toda pleitesía sea dada a ti a tu nombre, Padre eterno. Queremos reconocerte como Dios y Salvador, Padre, y queremos reconocer que lo que hacemos no lo hacemos por nosotros, sino por ti. Tú eres el motivo, Dios amado. Tú eres, Dios mío, el objetivo. Padre, te pedimos en esta mañana que tu presencia, que tu poder, Padre, que tu voluntad sea sobre cada uno de los Chao Champions que están Ahí en la línea, en el frente, Padre, eh, lidiando con diferentes tipos de entidades negativas, entidades demoníacas, Dios eterno. Yo te pido, Padre, que tú des un, una porción especial de tu espíritu para que toda cadena sea rota, para que todo yugo sea roto en el nombre de Jesús, para que aquellos niños, Padre, que tú, eh, que, que están quizás en situaciones difíciles, tú le puedas a, abrir la puerta a través de los Chao Champions, que tú le puedas. Dios mío, permitir conocerte, que tú le puedas permitir entrar a tu reino y ver que hay una identidad que tú has diseñado para ellos en ti, Dios amado, que cuando choquen con la realidad de quién tú eres, puedan ver, Padre, dónde han estado todo el tiempo, pero que también puedan ver tu gloria y el poder transformador que hay en ti, Dios eterno. Yo te pido, Padre, que tú sigas bendiciendo a aquellos que... Y tienen en su corazón poder, eh, Dios mío, apadrinar a uno de estos niños, que tú sigas proveyendo y que tú sigas motivándole, Dios eterno, que tú le abras las ventanas de los cielos para que las bendiciones abunden y sobreabunden sobre su casa, en el nombre poderoso de Jesús. Amén. 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 Thank you, my brother in Christ, my friend in Christ. Thank you. Um, that we pray uh, together to the same Father, and I heard you address Amen. Him. Like there are some words, right, that um, that translate. And so, um, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for praying um, for these precious children, and um, and for the way God is gonna 
transform them through the way Christians Amen. are lifted up today to come alongside them um, in, in what is their journey of discipleship. So, Neff, thank you so much for joining us today and for what you're going to do today. My pleasure. Um, in, in the DR. Yeah, absolutely. That's Neff Medina. Again, um, we are um, we are entering into that season during which we're going to be raising up child champions here in the United States through child sponsorship with one child. There's already a link at MyFaithRadio.com if you want to um, go ahead and start meeting the kids. That would be great. Our brother, Chris Martin, is going to join us next. Um, yeah, you know, he set his, um, he set his blog aside I don't know, sometime last year, apparently he's unable to resist the temptation to blog. So the good news is Chris is blogging again, um, and we're going to talk together um, about um, why everybody's so mean. Like, when did everybody get, like, when did meanness become a thing? And it feels like this is on cue because there's a movie out, um, it's called Mean Girls 2024, and it's like the, I don't know, on the 20th anniversary of the release of the first version of the film, but people have actually gotten meaner, meaner in the last 20 years. So we're going to talk with Chris about that next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our buddy Chris Martin is back. Social media is his area of expertise, um, and he's back to blogging. Well, sort of. Chris, welcome back. Happy New Year. Hey, thanks for having me back. I hope you had a nice holiday. Mm, mm-hmm. For your information. I like that. I like that. Uh, tell us about chrismartin.fyi. Yeah, um, I think I talked about on the program before how... No, but I don't um, think it had a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I talked about, I remember a few months ago that I was taking a, a break and, and wasn't writing about social media quite as much and needed to focus on doing some fiction writing, which I've been able to a little bit, but life, you know, has been kind of crazy since we've had a child and the holidays and all of that. Um, but I, I found myself over that period that I had kind of um, decommitted from writing two weekly articles and the newsletter about social media that I was still, while I didn't want to write about social media twice a week, like I had been, I, I was still looking for a sort of, um, like creative release, you know, it's, it's been said many times. I've, I can't, don't know who to attribute it to, but um, something that rolls around in my head all the time is writers write. And it's, it's often when I've talked with authors or prospective authors before they'll they'll often say like, how do, how do you just get the motivation to write? Like, how do you make yourself sit down and write? And, and what I've often said is like, if you, if you're a writer, you'll find, you'll find a way life finds a way, like you'll find a way to write. And I found myself, though I have been doing some fiction writing, offline and and uh with no one really looking at it i found myself looking for a sort of like release valve to pull where i could write occasionally about anything and everything and not really have any rules or strategy like i have in the past with the newsletter and so i figured hey it's probably a good idea to relaunch this something a bit more broad that i can just write about anything from social media to uh some creative writing or even fiction or things like that so we've relaunched the newsletter as chrismartin.fyi something that is a bit broader and will not have everything to do with social media, but maybe a little bit now and then. So that's the yes. news on that. Like this. Why is everyone so mean? Yeah. So this is exactly the kind of thing that in the past, you know, I wouldn't have necessarily had the freedom to write in the newsletter because it's not necessarily related to social media, but um, but I felt like I could in, in this new uh, refreshed look. So I wrote an article that just posted this morning. I actually wrote it just yesterday. But I kind of wanted to get it out because I feel like I'm just feeling it right now. And I think we're going to feel this a lot this year, especially going into an election season. Um, I was 
corresponding with a, a reader recently, which is like my favorite thing to do as a guy who writes a newsletter is when I get emails from readers who want to email back and forth about a particular topic. It's just, it's fun. It's fun when the void shouts back, I guess you could say. Um, but we were talking about why people are meaner than ever these days. It was, a, I was actually speaking with a principal at a Christian school out West and he was talking about how people just seem more like the baseline for kindness and meanness just seems to be bent toward meanness more and more. Um, and there are probably some particular reasons he feels that in the education space or in, in local schools. But I wrote back, you know, he was kind of asking for like, why are people so mean? Like, why are, why is everyone so mean? Do you, do you have any ideas? And I was like, yeah, I think I have an idea. Of course, my idea is a, li a little bit bent toward my bias of social media and the internet impacts everything a lot. But this is kind of what I said. I said, very broadly speaking, I think a lot of the reason people are so mean today compared to maybe 20 plus years ago is that modern technologies of various forms have made it easier than ever to bend the world to our wishes. Everything from Google to air fryers to Bluetooth to social media has made it easier for us to feel like gods, like we can have and do and think and say whatever we want, whenever we want. And whenever someone gets in the way of that, which is often, we lash out at them. Mm. And and I just reflected a little bit on that. Like, you know, that's that's the brief response I said in the email to the reader. But I reflected a little bit longer on that just for about 100 words or so on on why I feel like that's the case. And, and I think like the kind of the conclusion I came to is, is the reason we're lashing out more, that we're meaner, uh, one of the core. I, there are probably five or six core ingredients of why this is happening. But I think one of the core ones is that we are increasingly treating everyone from Kroger cashiers to local church pastors like they're really just insubordinate parishioners in our increasingly optimized houses of self-worship. And it, it's just so easy to feel like we would never call ourselves gods or say, I am my own God. No one would ever say that, um, generally speaking. But a lot of us just act that way. And it's why we lash out at the cashier at the grocery store or at the DoorDash delivery driver who didn't get our $4 Starbucks order that's now $15 to us in enough time or whatever else. And, and I think we've just become so accustomed to convenience at the cost of other people that we're willing to be mean to other people when they just don't live up to what we believe our standard is for serving us. I'm going to offer up to you, if you haven't read it yet, um, The Soul of Civility. Um, Alexandra Hudson, Lexi Hudson, um, <clears throat> it's recently published. Um, and I just, I highly recommend it um, because what she talks about in there is, you know, how how we're going to need to re-engage in, recover, begin re-establishing patterns that are really very, very historically old um, and obviously biblical. But um, but she uses a lot of historical references and teaches us some stories that we've probably lost track of over the course of time. Um, but this is the issue that ultimately, you know, we're addressing. And this question of dehumanization, which you say in your post has never been easier or more culturally acceptable. Chris, I think that... Um, if we look at what we have been teaching people about themselves through our educational process, through media, um, you know, we've been telling people now for a generation, at least maybe two, that you're nothing more than the, the combination of, um, you know, some random chemicals and um, time and chance. 
You're, you're, you know, you are nothing special. You, and, and we know that's not the truth. The truth is people are image bearers of the living God. People are fearfully and wonderfully made. God knit each, it knits each one together in their mother's womb. You know, God conceived of each person before the foundations of the earth, but that's not what the world is telling them. And that's not what our educational system is telling them. And that's not what, um, social media is telling them or media in general. That's those, those are not the messages. The truth is not being reinforced. The lie is being reinforced. And so when you say dehumanization has never been easier or more culturally acceptable, I think you are exactly right. And when I feel free to not treat a person as a person in the fullness of what that means, um, society unravels. I mean, it's not just families that unravel. It's the social fabric itself. Um, When we don't treat people as people, and understand what that really means. Yeah, I think the I think what a lot of culturally speaking here in America what we haven't done is counted the cost of telling everyone that they get to have their own personal truth. Um because that's really empowering. Like that like that idea, right? Like j- broadly culturally speaking, I'm not saying I endorse it, but what I'm saying is like to communicate that message to a young person that uh, you know, like live your truth, that general cultural uh, message that has been flowing in the pipes of culture for a number of years now. I think that sounds nice on the surface to someone who, you know, doesn't necessarily believe in God or trust in Christ or things like that. Like the idea that, yeah, I I get to define my own reality. I get to set my own course and define my own truth. I think what broadly, culturally speaking, maybe we haven't counted the cost on regarding that is what happens when other people's truths don't align with ours. Um, like if, if we get to define our own truth, live our own truths, well, what happens when my next door neighbor's truth is very different from mine. And well, but if, if I define my own truth, well, then I'm right. Right. Well, then they must be wrong. Um, and so I think, I think maybe unnecessarily what broader kind of popular Western American culture has done is they have made um, discounting the other in, in a culture that cares so much about the other, at least in, in word it's made discounting the other so much easier mm-hmm. when we get to define our own truth and set our own truth but then when that clashes with someone else's, we win, right? Like we, we win that fight. We win that if my truth and my neighbor's truth clash, my truth is right, my neighbor's truth is wrong. Well, then it just immediately becomes easy to dehumanize or dismiss anyone who disagrees with us. And so this idea of sort of like self-freedom, self-liberalization of define your life, set your own truth can act, is actually hating our neighbor, I think. I think that's really good. I mean, I think that's really good, really good in terms of like a good diagnosis of the situation um, of what we're facing. All right. When we um, when we come back, we're going to talk about um, some antidotes or remedies to the meanness that we experience. Obviously, we're going to be talking about kindness and we're going to be talking about um, the cultivation of the the fruit of the spirit, um, you know, in terms of a list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. But I'm wondering, are there some like super duper practical things that you and I can do to, to sort of like derail the train of meanness that's headed down the track? Because we're going to have to make railroad crossings with mean people today. Um, and so what are those intersections going to look like? 
Um, more with our friend Chris Martin in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Jesus loves the little children. You guys know that. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. And right now, there are little children in the world who need Jesus. They also need things like basic food and medical care. Jesus tells us that what we do for the least of these, the little ones, we do for him. So this is your time to become the champion of one child, to change their life. When you sponsor just one child, you plant seeds of hope, and you work together with people who are on the ground to change the families, the communities, the future. You might not feel like you could change the world, but you can for one child. Meet the kids and find your child at MyFaithRadio.com. Chris Martin is uh, is back with us. He's also back to blogging, sort of, sometimes. Uh, you can check it out, chrismartin.fyi. Um, so I want to I wanna finish the conversation that we started by maybe doing a little equipping here um, in terms of <clears throat> how you and I as Christians in the culture today can derail sort of the meanness train because we we can engage differently. We are called to engage differently, um, to be Jesus-y. Jesus was, you know, forthright and honest, but never mean. So here's my list, Chris. So I'll, I'll shoot this out to you and um, see what you add what you add to it. I think we need to look people in the eye. I think we need to call people by name instead of calling them names. I think we need to respond to people's meanness with curiosity. Now, not online so much because that just feeds the trolls, but certainly when we are in a face-to-face encounter with a person and they are being mean, um, I think we need to respond with curiosity, refuse to pick up the offense, refuse to get defensive, um, and instead like be curious. Like, hey, I wonder what's behind that because that's really mean. <laughs> like, Just call it out for what it is. Control our own emotions and um, I know that my my sort of like emotional state changes the environment that I'm in. I'm very aware of this, like in the car. Like I I can change the atmosphere in the car depending on like my mood and the energy I am emitting. Like I know it. I can feel it. Um, and I know other people can feel it too. And so that's true. Um, like how we respond emotionally and even physically. It 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 cha- it can, it has the power to change things. I wonder if you'd add anything to that. Like I, are those good ideas? Do you have other like meanness antidotes? What do you think? Yeah, I think the I I don't. Um, first of all, I want to be clear that I don't consider myself a kindness expert. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think the the best experience I have with this kind of thing is. Um, beyond kind of just like living daily life is when I was running social media for a major Christian publisher and I was dealing with mean people every day, um, especially during a couple seasons of that, of that job. And what I try to remind myself of to keep myself kind of from going crazy or just like hating people from getting too cynical. And it, it certainly, you know, I think I have some, a, a bit of PTSD from that regardless, but I think what kept me sane in the moment was whenever someone was mean to me or, or rather the organization I was representing online or someone affiliated with us, what I tried to tell myself and remind myself of, and this applies to everyday life too, not just online meanness, but um, this person's mean because they're hurting somehow. 
like kind of what you said before, like there's, they're hurting somehow, whether, whether it's because their dad left their family 40 years ago, mm-hmm. and that's just kind of made them hurt to today, which you can debate the merits of that all you want. Like you should add therapy or whatever that, that but they're, but that that's affecting them today. Or they spilled their coffee when they're coming out of the house in the morning. Like it, what, whatever it is, there's a reason someone's being mean um, to us. And I think what I've tried to tell myself and, and to, to help me not, because it's easy for me and just my personality to want to fire back at a mean person uh, and, to, and to like, all right, you want to fight? Like, let's fight. Like, I'll fight. Uh, but but what I've tried to do is as I've matured and, and tried to get a little bit more wisdom is, okay, this person's being mean. They're kind of coming at me, burying their teeth or or not literally, but figuratively. They're hurt for some reason. Yeah. And, and you know, whether curiosity or just like kind of giving benefit of the doubt, I think, is where I've tried to – I've tried to give people benefit of the doubt when they're mean to me of like, okay, they're hurt. This is coming out of hurt somehow and try to be compassionate toward whatever that unknown rooted hurt is and not react to the meanness. And so I think, I think that's where like a lot of us, myself included historically have felt licensed to be mean when we're be, when we have been mean to like when someone has been mean to us, we feel licensed to be mean back. And I think what I've tried to instill in myself is that's not appropriate. This person is being mean for a reason, Let's try to not figure out what that reason is necessarily, but to be compassionate about whatever that deeper reason is and try to care for that person and and see them as a hurting person whose hurt is manifesting in anger and meanness rather than somebody who is is mean. Um, So that's a little Mm. bit of, of my sort of like defense against meanness, I guess you could say that I've been working on myself. Oh, that's really good. I think um, one of the things you highlighted there is, is treating that other person like they are a real person, like treating them for who we know they are, even if that's not who they understand themselves to be. Um, The other, um, my sister is really good at this. She surprises people with kindness, particularly people who have been mean to her or who she might anticipate are going to be mean. She has um, this knack for surprising people with kindness and like, blessing that people don't really know what to do when they think you're crazy because you remember their name and you actually seek them out because they have been mean to you in the past. And so why are you coming back around? Like, why are you standing extra time in line to be checked out in their line? Or like, why are you doing that? Like, what's wrong with you? So that you can call them by name and you can, um, you know, meet, meet them with kindness. Um, Seek them out the next time you have occasion to be in the same place. Um, the other thing, and I I don't, I will just acknowledge this is like on my, I need to try this list. Um, imagine yourself physically hugging them. Now, I don't, I, I, I think about the people that we quote unquote meet, you know, virtually on social media. I don't actually have in mind very often meeting them in person. Like when I met you in person, you are so like, you are so much taller in real life than you are online. What What is that? What is that about? Like, how are you so tall? Like, right? So um, imagine actually meeting this person in real life. And then um, for people who are mean to us, like imagine, not that we're ever going to, but like imagine yourself hugging them because 
You're not, you can't be mean to a person you're hugging. It just doesn't work that way. It's all, you know, smushy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. And I think, yeah, it's, it's easy. That, that just kind of goes back to the core of what I wrote. Like so many yep. modern conveniences make it easy to dehumanize other people. And I think social media and the internet is just one of those things. Cause not only can you not recognize someone's height, it's hard sometimes to recognize their humanity because they're just mm. images and pixels on a screen, you know? That's so good. Hey, we have to leave it right there. Um, Chris, thank you so much. Thank you for engaging with us over the course of time. Um, and thank you for re-engaging with us um, online. You guys ought to be checking it out. You can you can sign up uh, to join Chris in the ongoing conversation, chrismartin.fyi. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We've got another hour up next. Yes, yes. For those of you out there in um, on the front lines of it, bombogenesis on the way. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.